Ginger Rod, Ginger, Ginger Rod, Ginger. Ginger has red hair, so does Alex. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ginger on Ginger, the show where two redhead comedians choose a word, phrase, or concept and then talk about it through their gingery lens. I'm Jacob Godby. And I'm Alex Tate. And today's episode is brought to you by Emo Goldfish. To celebrate My Chemical Romance's first new music in nearly a decade, they have partnered with Goldfish to turn that smile upside down. Emo Goldfish, the snack that doesn't smile back. Nice. How long did that take you to come up with? Can I guess that you came up with that 12 minutes ago? Actually, I came up with it yesterday. I was out on a walk and I was like trying to think, I was like, what is the fake ad going to be? And then I... uh, thought of My Chemical Romance, and then I thought of Emo Goldfish, and you know, the rest just kind of put itself together. I mean, it's good, though. I do like it. Could you imagine if they released a frowning goldfish? I think that would be hilarious. With like a little swoop of a different cheese flavor? Yeah! (laughs) Also, I recently discovered this, and I would like some, a a hot explanation by Pepperidge Farm. Um, Flavor blasted goldfish and regular goldfish are the same price. So who in their fucking right mind is buying regular goldfish anymore? Uh, I am. Obviously, I, you're going to get the flavor I, no. blasted goldfish. It's like, I, hey, would I, you like this product or would you like the better version of this product for the same cost? It's not better, though. It's too much cheese. I don't oh, get like the fuck no. out of my face. One of the things I like about goldfish is that there's no residue left on my hands after I'm done eating them. No. And with flavor blasted, you get it. And I hate licking my fingers. I know some people eat Cheetos just to lick their fingers. I can't stand it. Um well, that's anyway? also gross, but no, man, I really, really hate uh, things that I have to like take off of my fingers after I'm done eating them, at least in cracker form. You should eat Cheetos with chopsticks. I saw that once on a TikTok. I would do that. I, you know what I don't like either is flaming hot Cheetos. I, I don't hate them, but I think they're overrated. I will agree with you on that. People are like, I'll, I'll fuck it. I'll eat flaming hot Cheetos till I die. I'm like, ew. Yeah. I'll jump over my mom's grave to make my stomach hurt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I Wasn't just... there like a rapper? Was it Lil, uh, Lil Zan maybe that had to go to the hospital because all he ate were flaming hot Cheetos and he had like tummy trubs? <laughs> I don't know what that word that you said is. Uh, okay. Well, let's introduce our guest <laughs> that, that we have today. Named yeah. after a highly addictive prescription drug? Yeah. Lil Zan. Okay. And Alrighty. then his dad is Big Zan. Yeah, his dad's heroin. His brother is Alexander, is what he goes by. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I think that's a that's a new way to to abbreviate Alexander is Zan. Yeah, you know someone named Xander. Uh, yeah, I know a couple of Xanders. Your name is Alexander, but you go by Alex. I, I tried to get you to go by Lex. When we were starting this project, I was like, time to change it to Lex. Yeah, I, I, call me whatever the fuck you want. I don't give a shit. Lex Tate. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of terrible names, we have a guest with us today. <laughs> he, <laughs> what he, the fuck? What kind of intro is that? Speaking it's a great of shitty names, this guy. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. I have written this man's last name 700 times in the last month, and I know how to spell it, and no one else does. Please welcome the other half of Mrs. Ghost, Sean Laracuta. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me. It's Yay. good to be back. As you're known on this podcast, Texas Sean. Texas Sean, everybody. Is it cool if I weigh in on the uh, on the uh, goldfish debate? Yeah, Please. give us your cracker opinions. Dude, original. I got to go with you, Jacob. <gasps> what the That's fuck? the original, dude. What the fuck is happening? Yes. The fuck is it's happening? too much, dude. It's too much. Oh, if, uh, no. if, if three white guys are talking about crackers, can we call this segment uh, Crackers on Crackers? Who in that? Oh, shit. It's just Crackers on Crackers on Crackers. 
Yeah, exactly. No, thank you, Sean. I, I personally, the best goldfish I think is the rainbow, uh, normal ones. There's something different. Just no, there's nothing different. They're different colored. So my brain thinks they're different. Well, they're not though. But I think they have a little more air in the body. Okay. So let's (laughs) talk about how we eat goldfish. Cause I do have a weird way that I eat them. I like to put one in my mouth and then I like to push it with my tongue against the roof of my mouth, crushing its body. What are you talking about? You don't eat goldfish that way? I just eat them. (laughs) What do you mean the way we eat goldfish? No, that's... Sean, how do you eat goldfish? I don't know. That's a pretty morbid way to eat goldfish. Uh, Just like a normal person, dude. (laughs) Put one or a few in my mouth and chew them until they (laughs) are okay to be swallowed and then I swallow them. I don't know. Just normal eating procedures, dude. I don't really have a system for this. Uh, I I will say like the second quickest mouth to butthole time was i ate like an entire bag of white cheddar goldfish on a road trip once yeah and i had like half an hour before i was like we've got a severe problem i think it's the white cheddar because i did that with a box of uh, annie's white cheddar mac and cheese yeah 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 i also gluten-free pretzels you had that same problem really Mm mm-hmm and uh, it was at the music school in la and we only had one bathroom and it was uh it was taken, so I had to run across the street to the pharmacy. <laughs> was it like, a was it a photo finish, dude? It was a photo finish across Ooh. the finish line, right as things were starting to come out. Yeah, yeah. Like like your butt is not on the toilet seat, and you are pooping. Like yeah. pants are down, and your your cheeks feel the fresh air, and it's like poop time. Yeah, we call that a hall pass. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I never heard remember, that. Before. That's because you rewatched that <laughs> stupid ass movie in our break. Uh, yeah, I did. I rewatched Hall Pass, the uh, Ferrelli Brothers movie. It sucks. And there's just a really <laughs> weird, like, tonally jarring moment where a sex worker sneezes and sharts against a bathroom wall. It's one of the most aggressive things I've ever seen in movie history, and it makes no sense. The rest of the movie is, like, pretty normal. It's, like, dudes just kind of, like, dressing like they're in the 70s and, like, going, like, why won't my wife have sex with me? And then all of a sudden she goes, achoo! Yeah. Pretty funny, dude. It's outrageous. <laughs> I will say the first time I saw it, I almost had a heart attack. Like I thought I was gonna I thought it was the funniest thing that's ever happened yeah, to me. Yeah, Sean's now, writing this down. He's taking notes. Watch Hall Pass. <laughs> that does sound pretty funny. Although, dude, funniest movie shit of all time. Gotta give it to to Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. That's, yeah. That's the yeah. classic. That's the benchmark. Dude, my dad's gonna be so pleased that you said that. Good. He's going to listen to our album now because you said that. That's Um, awesome. I am more than willing to start an entire podcast talking about movie shits. Same. That's a good idea, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Jacob, how have you been? I've been fine. (laughs) Um, It's been a tumultuous couple months. I, you know, don't miss editing the podcast, but I I do miss uh, saying out loud every thought that comes into my brain. Um, and I yeah. kind of got into this thing where the thoughts stay in my head and it just compounds. So I actually had a doctor's appointment today, got prescribed some anti-anxiety medication, grabbed a, a bunch of free condoms on the Hey-ho. way out. Mental so, health and sexual health. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, we're going to get the brain better so we can get the lane better. We're, we're working on both heads. <laughs> we're working on, Yeah. I got two redheads. I got to take care of them both. Yeah, I'm taking care of both my heads. Hey, I have two redheads taking care of them both. I got, I, uh, I, I, um, I, I'm trying to fuck somebody and not be sad. My penis head is red and so is the hair on top of my head head. 
yeah. You got like a weird red dog dick. All right. I don't know why I went there. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's called a red rocket because it is extremely propulsive. Yeah. Everybody knows that dogs can detach their wieners. Yeah. Like a like an actual rocket. Yeah. It's pretty just wild. Just kind of shoots around the room. Kind of like can? fish. You know? Yeah. You know how like fish just kind of jizz in the water and then the female kind of swims by <laughs> and gets yeah, her eggs fertilized? Uh, some fish, that's how it works. Yes. yes. That is cool. how it works. They that's just jizz cool. in the water and the, fish, the female fish just swims through it. You know how Wild. many times I've jizzed in the water and I just really hope I didn't get anybody pregnant or any fish pregnant or any fish pregnant. Oh, what a weird little hybrid thing that would be. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We're off to a, a cracker today. Yeah. Um, just we're back. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Good Lord. Uh, by the way, we are back, but this is like a one-time engagement. We're going to be doing these every once in a while. And uh, this one, uh, no doubt, has... Uh, promotional reasons, but we will be coming back for just fun reasons as well. And I'm having yeah. fun now. I hope you are as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. So give us, give us the lowdown, Alex, if you want to talk about it, you, you have an interesting prospect. Oh, well in the interim, I think I ended the last episode with saying, maybe I'll turn this podcast into a woodworking podcast. I've turned into a woodworker. Isn't that hilarious? Like that's my actual job right now. <laughs> that was pretty funny, dude. That was like the most painful thing you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I will say one time, do you ever, when you're like going to sleep, do you ever, your brain just says, hey, remember you did this one time and that was shitty? And you go, wow, thanks for that. Yeah, 100%. Like a week ago, I remembered that you and me were in Salem. We did mm-hmm. a show in Salem, actually one of our best shows mm-hmm. on that tour. And then some someone, uh, then they had like a stand-up night afterwards. Yeah. And someone was just bombing their ass off. And I know that when someone's bombing, you just let them bomb. But they said something like someone let out like the smallest chuckle and they mentioned they were like, oh, thank you. I'll take the pity laugh. And I loud as fuck in a theater did that. I just went, ha! And and then immediately it was like, what the fuck did I just did? I just like heckle <laughs> I, as a comedian Did I just heckle a comedian. Like, what the fuck am I doing? And that was uh, miserable. And I just thought of that like a week and a half ago. I was like, that was awful huh. of me to do to that person. Why did I do that to that person? If it makes you feel any better, that's not what I remember from that night. I remember being invited to a rave after that show where the DJ was spinning a mix of, quote, techno and heavy metal. And we didn't go to that? No, because I was still 20 years old. That's right. That sucks. We should have gone to that. Yeah. Um, you woodworker, but you have more things to say, maybe, if you want to. Um, yeah, it's, it's not finalized, but I might become a, uh, like, bike guide who travels around the world. I'm in the, the late stages of getting hired of that, uh, for that. We'll see. I'm very excited about that. I will have some, no doubt, hilarious stories. Yeah, by the time that this episode comes out, well, when do you tell us about the last step of the process? When does that happen? The last step of the process is a week-long training exercise, but I don't have the job uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, in which I get to learn how to bike a lot and then also take care of said bikes and then also eat at five-star restaurants. A lot of those in Madison, Wisconsin? I don't know. I don't know shit about <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin. But like, when does that happen? That happens June 6th to the 15th. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
so it'll be just over as people are listening to this episode. So uh, keep there your you eyes on, on social media and maybe I'll, I'll post an update. Sean, what have you been up to? Oh, man. Uh, I guess it's probably easier to talk about what I haven't been up to. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, dude. But I, I made the decision. <laughs> what haven't I done? I have I've made the decision, dude. Uh, gotta bounce. Leaving Texas, dude. Yeah. Aug- August 31st is, is going to be the last day I'm in Austin, man. I say this from a, a place of love. I think that's probably a good decision. Austin is different now than it was when you and I moved there. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I really dislike the direction the city's going in. It's just too expensive to live here. And, uh, you know, just got to get... Gotta get back to the family, dude. It's been been a long time gone, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, we're gonna have to start calling you Maryland, Sean. Hey, I like the sound of that, dude. Actually, Texas Sean does have a cool. Texas Sean is, is easier cool, to say. Cool <laughs> it's yeah. really, it's really nice. It's really how I know you. Actually, yeah. when Jacob said your last name in this podcast, it's the first time I've ever heard your last name. Oh wow! Yeah, didn't yeah. even know what it was. We did have a Sean successfully move from Missoula Sean to Portland Sean, so I think we can make the change. Uh, and then another Sean, the one who's just been in Missoula the whole time, is now Missoula Sean. So uh, I'm actually I've been thinking about making like a TikTok sideshow of all the Shans in my life. <laughs> oh, that's cool, dude! Mm, what a hyper specific TikTok. That's a new thing that people don't know. You're on TikTok now. Oh, I am. Yeah, because of this album, I was like, oh, it's probably good if I make a couple TikTok videos and use our songs in the background in case someone's like, this is catchy. Um, it's it reminds me of like the early days of YouTube and that you can just get free views like real easy. Like I posted like a shitty video of uh, deluxe panic at the disco vinyl that I had. And that's our most viewed video at like 2000 views. And yeah. I have done zero promoting of it. It's like not even close. Yeah, like it's the so rest far of our, ahead of our <laughs> of our musical ones. Yeah, yeah. the rest of them just kind of sit between like 300 and 400, which is still like not bad. For, that's pretty damn good. That's what I'm saying for like zero promotion. Like it, it, you know, back in when YouTube started, like when I did my high school comedy troupe, you could just put videos up and they would find people. Like, yeah, I, I racked up a couple thousand views on shit that I barely promoted, you know, back in high school and now. So TikTok reminds me of that a little bit. It also has told me that I'm potentially like a bisexual sub. (laughs) Yeah. The, the algorithm has a, has some strong opinions about uh, me and I, I don't, you know, a year or two from now, I'll probably look back and be like, yeah, I was right. (laughs) I should have known. Oh, wow, dude. Yeah. I hate the fact that I like TikTok. Like I hate that I can like watch TikTok videos and just like, oh, it's pretty cool. I hate it. Yeah. I think that's most people our age is that they, they start, they're like, what is this shit? I hate this shit. And then they start scrolling and like six hours go by and they're like, damn it, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. That's, but they're uh, upset about it. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. That's me to a T, you know? <laughs> my my TikTok for a hot second, I don't have TikTok, I have Instagram reels because I'm actually an old man. Um, But the algorithm said I was a, like a conservative Republican there for like a, like a three month period. I think socially <laughs> you're conservative, <laughs> not a conservative. I will say you are conservatively social. How about that? I, I mean, in what sense of the word are we using conservative? The non-political sense. Oh, sure. Like you just hate people that you don't know. Yeah. And a lot of people you do know. Yeah, definitely. More, so you're more just a hateful guy. You're just a hateful guy. Dude. <laughs> you're just a mean, spiteful man. <laughs> so you know what? Maybe I am a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's what I'm hoping this medication helps me with is to be less bitter as well. You know, I, uh, I want to do comedy more again and, and like perform more and things like that. But it is, uh, paralyzing when I think of the incredibly high standards that I've set for myself. So I want to chill out and be like, Hey, it's okay. If you don't hit a hundred percent every single time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sean, anything else you want to say before we jump into the main segment? I say we get into it, dude. All right, boy. Uh, so Sean and I are in a band called Mrs. Ghost. We are, I think a power pop band is how I've been describing us. And, uh, you know, we've been told we sound like Jimmy Eat World, Blink-182. Um, one label we reached out to told us we sound like a less horny Bloodhound gang. That's awesome. Bloodhound gang circa 2001? Amazing. That's Bloodhound my favorite gang. description for this band. <laughs> Bloodhound gang right now? Possibly the worst band in the world. Yeah, 100%. But we have a new album coming out. June 17th. It's called Entertainment for the End Times, uh, written entirely by Sean and I. And almost every single instrument is played by us, too. We have a couple of little guests we can talk about when we do the track by track that Alex is going to lead. But uh, this is, I don't know, almost three years in the running, folks. Three years ago, uh, last month, I moved to Austin. Wow. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> that long ago, dude. Yeah, man. And then we formed Mrs. Damn. Ghost in like late 2020, right? Yeah. Dude. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This album's been uh, in the works for a long time, but I'm going to hand it over to Alex now and he's going to, he's going to take us home. Uh, all right. Hi guys. I'm an interviewer now. Um, so I listened to the whole album. I've listened to it multiple times. I will say Jacob sent it to me as a Google drive and then I had to individually download every single song and then uh, play it in like my windows media player. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, I will, I meant to send this to Jacob a couple seconds ago because now the timing isn't going to work out, but the windows media player has to like guess, I think it's trying to guess what band this is. Oh yeah. If yeah, that makes we, sense. You know, like your car does that sometimes like it pops up with an album that's just like completely incorrect. Yeah. It's called the grace note database is the database that has all that info on it. Um, and I just sent a. Well, it's sending. I just sent a picture of what it thinks this album is uh, to Jacob. And um, it thinks it's Mobsta Pimpin' 3, an MP3 <laughs> file starring um, T, T Mom W. T, yeah, T -E with the A M O M W. T Mom W. I don't know what that the hell that is. Yeah, that is, is. I love that, dude. That's we have hilarious. a parental advisory on there, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you take a screenshot of that, dude. <laughs> so, like the first time I, I opened the album, I was like, what the fuck is wow. happening? <laughs> definitely, uh, yeah, definitely different artwork that we ended up landing on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, but then I had to click through each individual song. It's the most uh, annoying way to listen to an album. I suggest nobody listens to an album that way. What's funny is like a week later, I set up like the press and label stream where it's like an official SoundCloud stream on like a private web page. And I just oh. for forgot to send it to you. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. It's been so annoying. Um, <laughs> Thank you for putting in the work though. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I'm just much appreciated. I'm just joking. It's just, yeah. All right. Um, so track one starts off with all things in time. Get 
how it feels. So why don't you guys tell me why you uh, opened the album with this? That's a he- that's a lot of pressure for a song to to open an album. And what was your thought process behind choosing this one to to open? We kind of we wanted a song that was going to kind of set the pace for what the album was going to to have in it. And we figured that song was a uh, was a song that was going to kind of immerse the listener into a little bit of everything that they'd hear throughout the rest of the album. So it was like a, you know, that's like a little bit of a microcosm of what you're going to get throughout the album. Sad lyrics, a little bit of energy, you know. I'm In my notes, I literally wrote, melodic guitar builds nicely existential tone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's exactly right. We had a few other... Well, we kind of recorded the whole album, and then we were like, none of these really feel like a track one, you know? Try, like... Because the best track ones are either like grand epic statement or like really pulled back like intro that kind of sets, you know, sets you up for like an explosive track too. And uh, we got done with the album and I was like, I honestly have no idea what to put here. So we, I, we asked a couple of the people who worked on the album and then one day it was like, I think we, ha- I think we need to put this one here because like Sean said, just has a little bit of everything that we do on the album in one song. Moving on to track two, We're Not Okay. That's the single that you guys released. Uh, a little faster paced, uh, heavy pop punk vibes. Let's be real about it. Um, uh, it's it's when you guys were writing it. Did you know it would be the single? Does that, if that makes sense, did you know it would be sort of the grandest, poppiest song as it was as it was being written? Well, when I when I wrote that song, I was kind of like, I don't know, as you know, when you're writing music or any kind of art. You know, when you're making anything, um, sometimes you're like, you know, this is this is a little bit better than what I usually do. Uh, and so I did kind of feel that with that song. Um, and then I brought it to Jacob and Jacob, you know, he put uh, the drums in. The drums just gave it some more energy. And then, you know, he came up with a bass line for it. And then it just kind of kind of clicked. And I felt like it was uh, in terms of like, the lyrics, I felt that that song kind of, it's entertainment for the end times. You know, it, it talks about what's happening and specifically like people like us, our generation, what we're kind of experiencing. So, yeah, I mean, that song, we didn't really have much discussion about it. We kind of knew that would be the single probably early on. At least I did. This song's been kicking around for quite a while. It was one of the first ones we worked out as a band together. And in fact, uh, we did like a living room session uh, in my Austin apartment and that I just never released because I was like, well, the song's not out yet. Let's not get people hearing anything and, and you know, uh, judging it before they get to hear the studio version. So when you watch that video, that's uh, uh, two years old at this point. <laughs> so um, it has been around for a while. And, and that whole time, I think this, that was kind of the one song propelling the whole project forward. That was like the one song 
I think we both agreed was good enough that we were like this, we should make an album to support this song, you know? Gotcha. Okay. Nice. How do you two like work out the, the, the two of you, you know, what's sort of your creative process? I know Sean is mainly the lyricist and for the most part, and, and Jacob brings, uh, a lot of the drums and rhythm into it, but is that seem to be how it goes usually or, or, uh, have you guys gotten into more of like a, a split if you would well you know when jacob was when jacob was living in austin uh and we would get together weekly um and we would we would jam out stuff and we would play it and we i felt like we got into sort of a rhythm where we were kind of our creativity was blending uh and so that was like that first ep that we made bad days that we talked Mm -hmm. about a couple years ago i felt like that was like a truly like a a Mrs. Ghost creation, you know? Yeah. Whereas this album, there are so there are a few songs that we wrote together and we we got to have that creative experience and then we we split up geographically. We were we were in different locations and then I think we found a new way to write music together where, you know, I would I'd be like, "Hey Jacob, I just recorded this. What do you think? You know, what can we do with it?" Or Jacob would write a song and he'd say, hey, I just recorded this. You know, what do you think? And it became more of a uh, like a feedback sort of loop we kind of got into, which was super creative in its own right. And it allowed us to to make kind of our own music and the other person support it. Whereas, again, prior to that, we were kind of in a we were creating together, you know. Sure. Yeah. Songs just end up different when you're not playing them in a room together. You know, and we'll get to it, but there is a song on this album where I play every single instrument <laughs> on it. Um, and there's one where I only play drums too. So like it, uh, it, it, things end up different when you're not jamming them in the room and, and Sean's right. It's it's a very similar way to the way you and I work, Alex, where I bring in something that's like 80% done, mm-hmm. but it needs a little help to cross the finish line. Sean brings his in usually closer to being done than mine, but then we tend to like mix his up a little bit more. I think, uh, all things in time track one is one of the ones that benefited greatly. I think from the new, like remote way of working that we do. I really took that song. What after he sent it to me and like fucked around with it a little bit. We're not okay. Not so much. That one has been pretty much the same since like the first day we played it together. Yeah, that's true, dude. Track number three, existentially exhausted. So this is the first uh, track on the album that Jacob is lead vocals on. Jacob, how did you find that process? I know that's a role that you have been in, but I know it's not usually your main role in music. You know, Sean was really supportive, actually, of me singing my own songs. Going back to when we formed, you know, I, I would play, excuse me, I would play t- tunes for him. And he's like, well, why don't you sing it? I mean, you sound good enough singing it. Like, go for it. And so... That's kind of, we just leaned into that here. And, uh, you know, I talk a lot about trying to make things that are 
good enough for not just my friends, like someone I don't know will enjoy it as well. And I really tried to capture that with this album. I would say probably both me and Sean's vocals are a little bit of an acquired taste. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what people get out of it. But uh, this is one song, one of the most authentic songs I think I've ever written. This whole album is full of them, actually. But I, I think this is the kind of like effortless slice of life humor that I've been trying to go for the last couple of years more yeah. so than really absurdist stuff. In my notes, I did write very Jacob song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very Jacob heavy song as someone who knows you extremely well. I was like, yep, that's Jacob. It, it, that's, you know, in a good way, but I was just like, that's Jacob. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I actually meant to talk about this on we're not okay. Sean, um, how how did you find your sort of singing voice? I do find it un- very unique. A la, the only one I could come up with, and this isn't like you sound the same, but this is the only one I could come up with, was, is like a Patrick Stump um, from Fall Out Boy. You know, he has a very different sounding voice. You have a very different sounding poppy punky voice. How did, you know, how did you realize that this works in that? Yeah. Sort of- so, you know, I'd, I'd always tried to sing for my chest. Um but when I sing in my chest voice, it's just like, it, it works in like certain, you know, if I'm playing like just an acoustic guitar and I'm, you know, finger picking and it's a, it's a quiet little song, my chest voice works well. But when I, I sing a lot, when I go into like my mixed voice, which is what you hear all throughout the album, pretty much, yeah. um, everything kind of resonates in my, like in my nasal cavity. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know when I fully made that switch over, but I think my voice has progressively been sounding more and more. It's like evolved to this point, you know, it yeah. was unintentional. I don't, I never was taught how to sing. So I guess it just, you know, things got a little wires got crossed along the way. The the closest thing Mrs. Ghost has ever had to like fighting is over Sean's voice because it is such a unique tool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always like more Sean sing like you're leading a band. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, he's like, no, but I want to sound pretty. And, and we had a guy in the studio with us for this album who uh, helped me sing a lot and did not help Sean very much. <laughs> and we will talk about that when we get to that song, but we had some disagreements there. Um, the other thing I want to say too, is Sean really makes me work harder on my lyrics. Yeah. He really makes me think about things more because I think his are so good. I don't really want to drop the ball, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's evident. Thank you. Through most of the album. I The lyrics are something that I found myself listening to rather than uh, any single song on the top 40 in which the lyrics essentially blend in to become just another instrument. If that if that makes sense, you know, some like pop top 40 hit, I have no idea what they're talking about and I could care less. With this album, we really tried to be intentional with the lyrics. Yeah. Um, like I think existentially exhausted. And I know we talked about how this is such a Jacob style because it does use that humor to like talk about something that's pretty vulnerable, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that we both brought our own style of lyricism to this and we both kind of talked about what we were going through. And really, I think that's the only like meaningful, authentic way to make art. Um, and even if we might not have the best voices, you know, we meant everything we said, which is, which is pretty cool. 
Well, in history, I'm not saying that we don't know how to sing, Sean. You and I can both hold a note. But oh, yeah. Yeah, we have unique voices, I think. Um, moving on. Number four. Possibly the best name. Millennial Falcon. To buy a ticket, it was far too expensive. I only mention this because I will be alone for Christmas. Think of all those that I'm gonna miss, like my brother and my cousin and my newborn niece, my mother and my father and my grandmama too, my aunt and my uncle who I barely ever knew. I wonder if I'll ever figure out. Yeah, man. So that's a funny story. Well, it's not really a funny story. That name. <laughs> it's um, sad as hell. <laughs> so I wrote that song. Uh, I was. I remember it was Christmas of 2019. I was mm. in my apartment. And I was like. Damn it! I'm not gonna. Be, I can't afford to go home this year. Like I, I, I can't afford to go home. And so I started writing the song. And then initially the song was, uh, it was titled "2019 Got Me Like That That That." Yeah. Uh, and I sent it to Jacob, and we were like, "Oh, this is really cool." And then 2019 went by, and then it was 2020, and so we changed the song title to "2020 Got Me Like." Yeah, so we have a demo of it, definitely under that name. And 2020 went by, and then we were like, well, we can't just keep changing the name of the song <laughs> every year. So let's give it an evergreen title. And I thought that that story, you know, is probably not unique to me, but it's unique to, uh, I feel a lot of people in our generation probably have had similar experiences. And I thought that was kind of just a funny little cute name. And so... I sent it to Jacob, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, all right, that's what we'll oh, call it's, it. It's great. Um, opens up with a little, this is how I felt. This is just me, the interviewer, talking. Uh, opening riff, little primacy vibes. Oh, yeah? Little slight primacy, slappy noodly vibes. Not, you know, 100%, but a little bit. Interesting. I think Sean was going for like singer songwriter bluegrass. <laughs> oh, I definitely <laughs> was. Well, like the original demo is just like an acoustic guitar. So this is an example of when we created together, uh, because this was a song that we worked on together in Jacob's apartment. And um, yeah, because it was initially very much just an acoustic song. It was it was a lot slower. I sung it more melodically, uh, and then Jacob gave it the you know the punk rock treatment and. Uh, the energy picked up with their distorted yeah. guitars. Then we did, you know, uh, like a ska part in there. So that was an example of a song that was like truly created in one room, you know? Yeah. I really love the ska part in there. That's Mrs. Ghost is, it has a roster of eclectic bridges when we don't really know what else to do. We just make different noises, you know, they like sure. existentially exhausted. It's got like the weird spaghetti Western thing. Yeah, uh, this has ska later on. There's like a weird vocal effect one. Um, that's that's how I get around not knowing how to write bridges. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I also wrote down the line, just sick and tired of being poor. Just I don't know. Resonated. Tired of it, dude. Like, like it's, you know, just how long am I supposed to be poor for? Bro, right. I don't know, man. When but does the poor stop? When does it stop? So yeah, that song again. You know, that's a very, uh, you know, that's a very, very honest song about myself. So I was gonna say, I think this is your most introspective song on the album. Yeah, probably. Speaking of track number five, Charlotte. Every girl 
What's your, lovely, uh, lovely Charlotte. What's your fucking beef? Oh, no, dude. You what's know, your fucking problem with Charlotte, I, man? I believe, and I truly believe this, all songs are love songs. I had a good friend of mine tell me that once. That's a love song for Charlotte. I wrote okay. that I wrote that when we were broken up. So, yeah, there was a little bit of angst to it. But, you know, it's it's a love song for her. Yeah, Charlotte is, is literally this person's name. We did not, <laughs> you know. Oh, wait, this I, song is not about Char- Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> it is not, but it's good that you think that. It is about a person named Charlotte who has, like, had, like, an on-again, off-again relationship with Sean for, like, three years. Oh, you guys should go perform this in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think that if they knew us, they would appreciate it ironically. You know, that's what I mean. I I think maybe Charlotte could really get behind it now. Don't ever go to Charlotte. But yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas I took the route of not naming the people in my songs that I wrote them about. Sean is like front and center, naming it after her. I believe you've played it for her. Am I wrong, Sean? Yeah, I played it for her. I showed her the song. She, uh, she said she thought it was, she liked it, but she showed it to one of her friends and, uh, her friend said it was very mean. So, <laughs> I I did write this. I did write it. Read, it says this seems very personal for Sean. <laughs> yeah, all that's true. All that stuff's true in there. This is also this. This is the song that started Mrs. Ghost because we were in the Dump Weeds. Mm-hmm. This like acoustic Blink One Eight Two cover band. Yes, it's embarrassing every time I describe it. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> so we were hanging out and Sean was like, Hey guys, I wrote a song, you know, kind of blink One Eighty Two ish vibe. And he played a very different version of this song demo wise. And I was like, yeah, that rocks. And the other guy was like, man, eh, let's just play blink One Eighty Two songs. Uh, now that's a valid thing. If you're going to be in a cover band, maybe don't sprinkle originals throughout your set. So we didn't do that, but I took Sean aside privately and was like, I kind of liked that song, but I think it can sound better. Uh, and then we kind of landed on like the dance beat and the synth because I made Sean do it. I was listening to like a lot of like new order at the time. Um, I bought the best of new order like CD and was driving around Austin listening to it. And I was like, we have to make a dance song with like cool guitars and like an upfront bass part. Uh, so yeah, that song, a lot, a lot of new order inspiration, at least from the arrangement that I helped craft. Nice. Again, that's a uh, that's a classic Mrs. Ghost. That's me and Jacob just creating a song together. So yeah, you'll hear a lot of uh, you know a lot of um, interesting. You know, there's a dichotomy in that song. That's like, what is it? Is it a punk song? Is it you know? Is it like a folk song just played on electric guitars? But I think uh, yeah. What's with all the synthesizer? <laughs> I I was really I was worried about that one, and Jacob and I even talked about it. We were like, dude, I don't even know if this song's gonna make it on the album, you know. But we we were able to to put together a uh, a pretty solid piece that um, I'm happy with. And I got to yeah. give a shout out in case she's listening, Miss Shawnee Kilgore, beautiful beautiful soul, beautiful woman. Um, she does the the female vocals on this. So all right, track number six. Billy the Kid. Billy was a kid in Chelsea, Alabama, with a horse named General Lee. Sun up, sundown, he rode that horse around. He kept that colt so clean. But they shipped Billy off to war early in 2003. 
Before we get into this one, I want to know your thoughts on this one, Alex. It definitely stands out from the rest. Um, it's the like mellowest song on the album, I think, officially. Um, maybe at least in my eyes. Um, and and it definitely stand, stands out as like this story. I, I am interested in in who is it real? Is is it about someone in particular? Is it more just a message? Uh, yeah, I, I have, a, I had a lot of questions when I listened to this song. I guess that's what I'll say. Yeah, I wrote this one. So I wrote this one in Missoula years ago when I was living there. And, um, you know, I had always, uh, I was really into like storytellers, um, at the time. Yeah. And I've always, I've always loved storytellers. I loved, I love people who could tell a story through, through song. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm also a history buff. I love, especially, you know, U S history. And I thought I was thinking a lot about the Iraq war and, uh, you know, how we got into it and what really, what I think the reasons why we got into it and, um, how it could, how it affected, you know, well, I guess it was really Gen X who was fighting in that war, but cause the millennials were still too young, but just how it affected them. And I kind of interwove the story of, you know, from an individual soldier's point of view, it's all fictitious. Like I, I mean, you know, it's all, it's all made up, but then, and then, so that's like kind of the micro view from that perspective. And then like the macro view is just looking at, you know, basically the Bush administration and why they wanted to go into that war and, uh, what, how they benefited at the cost of, you know, the poor, the poor people who went over and actually did the fighting. Cause war, you know, poor people are always the ones that suffer during war. So. That was uh that was that story. Nice. I went back and forth on this song. I'm not gonna lie. I really like it, but I wasn't sure it was a Mrs. Ghost song. But I, I so Sean kind of took the lead on this one. I played just the drums. We had uh, Kurt, who produced the record, play bass on it because I thought he would be able to give it a more tasteful treatment than me on the bass, who is a little more <laughs> aggressive. And uh, I don't know. I, I I like it. I think it dissects the album like in half pretty nicely. And I think it's one of those songs that's so much different than the others that you find the right person and this might be the only Mrs. Ghost song they like. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. The, you know, yes, I totally know what you mean. I have bands like that in my life that I listen to one of their songs and then I listen to the rest of their stuff and I go, I don't like the rest of it. And it doesn't sound anything like this song. Yeah, I could see this one resonating with a lot of people if we got the ears on it. I I really think that, and it also shows how Sean is a few years older than me because I would never feel confident writing a song about the Iraq War because I was uh, six. Yeah. yeah, I was six when nine eleven happened. So, oh yeah, well, dude, I've I've still I've still been too scared to perform that song live. I've never played that song live, so. Depends really? on where you're at, buddy. Depends on where you're at. That's true. I mean, I've played it for a couple friends, uh, but yeah, that's it's kind of like a world premiere for that song because yeah, it's never been played through sung through a microphone, you know. Oh, nice. That's exciting. Um, all right. Song number seven. Pit in my stomach. Every line we always crossing 
ourselves to redefine what we need from each other. Uh, I wrote two notes on this. Note number one, this is Jacob masturbating. If the other song was so Jacob, this is the most Jacob song. Holy (laughs) fuck. Holy shit. This is just Jacob masturbating. Okay. What's your other (laughs) note? (laughs) Is this about anyone in particular? Do I know who this is about? You absolutely know who this is about. Okay. Um, I I even wrote that. I said, do I know who this is about? (laughs) Yeah, you do. This is the one I alluded to earlier that uh, is just me playing every single instrument on this one. Uh, I I, It sounds like you. Maybe this is an interview by someone who knows you too well. But as soon as I heard the song, I was like, fuck me. This is just Jacob all all the way fucking through. Yeah. No, I mean, and I have a different style of guitar playing than Sean. I I play guitar a sneaky amount on the album. I mean, I play on a lot of the tracks, you know, uh, and I won't even get into the nitty gritty, but like I I play some rhythm on all things in time. I played the Western breakdown on existentially exhausted. I think I did some rhythm in Millennial Falcon, but yeah, this one is the only one where I straight up play a hundred percent of every single instrument, including the synthesizer break. Um, but yeah, this one was written about a uh, previous podcast guest. Um, yeah, and just the uh, it wasn't even a post breakup song. It was just that weird in between where someone's mad at you, but you don't think that they should be, and you just. <laughs> feel so anxious about it you know that's the pit in my stomach is like when you think you're right but you also feel bad that someone's mad at you yeah yeah definitely like you you've you're in a bad situation but you're also right yeah you're you're like i should win this argument this argument is mine to win yeah so it still sucks so billy the kid is kind of sean's like i'm getting this song on the album and this one is mine like i'm putting this song on the album sean what do you think of this song I love this song, dude. Um, yeah, it was it's it was interesting to watch your writing process with this one because I this was probably the only song in the album where I've had I, I had like zero input and I, I wanted it that way. Um or maybe I was just too lazy. No, it was it was like legitimately good. And so I was like, I'm not touching this. This is Jacob's baby. Um but no, I love the song. And we had talked about um we had talked about what because this was like one of the last songs to get to the album and i just remember being like dude you should put pit in my stomach on and uh because i think you were still finish up finishing up writing it like before we even went into the to the studio right there was like a few lyrics you still had to yeah quite a few lyrics changed in the studio and as the album was coming together we were like we need a shot of caffeine on this album (laughs) um This is me playing around with like unconventional song structures as well. You know, it has repeating parts, but there's not like one chorus that travels throughout the song. There's right. Yeah. And so I I really enjoyed. Yeah. I don't know. I wrote this one just walking around a lot of, it was like three or four phone notes of me like singing melodies. And, and uh, um, this is one of two songs I wrote just walking around. But anyway, thanks Sean. I'm glad you like it. Oh yeah, dude. If anybody knows Jacob, uh, you know that Jacob loves to just walk around. He does that quite a bit. I do. I walk around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Track number eight. C'est la vie. Backseat drivers to face flyers. I smoke more weed. I get no higher. 
this is my favorite song on the album. Nice. Oh, cool, I dude. loved it. I loved it. It to me, this is this is the other thing I wrote, and I don't know how to express this properly in words. I wrote down it feels like an exhale from Sean. Like it feels like mm, like a I don't know, like a little coming to terms with whatever's going on and a bit of an exhale in a good way, in a bit of like a I don't know. Um there's a line in there you say I'm done blaming myself and stuff like that. Like it, it just feels like a ah, I don't. I loved it. This is my favorite song in the album. That's cool, man. I I appreciate those kind words. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a song that so that was the oldest song that made it on the album. I wrote that one uh, in like 2017. Wow. Um, yeah, and that one was kind of a one that always just stuck around and. Uh, it was super easy to write. I mean, it was kind of just one of those songs that you sit down and like an hour and a half later, there's a fully formed song. I don't think I changed mm-hmm. any of the, well, no, I did change, I did change one of the lyrics, um, but it was, it was a small change. It was like changing an article. Um, and uh, yeah, that song was kind of unchanged since 2017 and, we put it on the album and I got to play a little, we got to rock out a little bit, that guitar solo. Uh, yeah. I did. Dude, the guitar solo rips. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the entire thing. I didn't even know. So like Kurt had just recorded it and I was just like warming up. And so that was, that was a one and only take we did of that. Um, and I'm glad it did. It came out that way because yeah. Once you start thinking about stuff and you're playing it, you're like, Fuck, this is going to take forever. Yeah. But that one was just one and done. Yeah, man, that was a fun song to play, and uh, yeah, that's one of my um, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs that I ever wrote. So I want to say too, uh, Sean's guitar playing on the uh, just overall, he's very good at guitar. Yeah, and like like what, you know, I met him and was like, oh, he's gonna sound really good on my songs because he is way better than I am at guitar. The other the story with this song for me is that Sean emailed me this demo while I was sitting in the parking lot of a church in Hamilton waiting to get my first COVID vaccine. Okay. So I was just like, had it up to my ear, like listening to it. And I was like, yeah, this rules. <laughs> uh, I didn't change anything on this song. The only thing I did was, was a little Travis Barker drums in the bridge. Yeah. There's a, there's quite a few, uh, I don't know the drum in term. I believe they're called fills um, that definitely sound like, Jacob's like, I'm putting a fill in, right? Here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is kind of the one and only song on the album that I really get to let loose, uh, which is fine because I spent a lot of years playing, overplaying. And and so this Mrs. Ghost for me is more of an exercise in like restraint. Yes, yeah, as, as far as the drums go. Yes. Track number nine. I don't want to be like you. But I really like you. I don't want to be like you Sugar fix, pick up sticks Sending unsolicited dick pics Was never my style unless they asked me first They never did I would say another, uh, is, is it a, like a politically motivated song? It sounds like it is. And I thought it was maybe a song against I don't want to be like you. And I feel like that you is uh, boomers. That is a uh, very astute. And yeah, um, you nailed it. <laughs> so the with that song, I had I had been working at AT&T and I was like, fuck this. 
And yeah, I remember, I think, I think anyone would say that. I remember that like sentence. quitting and writing that song, but yeah, that, you know, that was, again, that was kind of, I, I feel like a snapshot of, um, where, where we are as, uh, you know, as young Americans and, um, just kind of what's happening in the world and kind of looking back at previous generations and yeah, I mean, that definitely, that song is definitely a, uh, I guess, yeah, you could say it's a little bit of a note to the boomers who came before us. Um, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun with this one. And I think this song, the song was kind of like, it was, it was a lot more acoustic in nature. Kurt does an awesome job, job on the bass uh, in the song. Uh, Jacob brought, brought a lot of energy with the drums. And then, uh, yeah, this song just, just came together. This one, and this was the only song that we used well not this was one of two songs that we actually used the vocals that i recorded in missoula everything else that you hear i had to i re-recorded in my closet but this song and this song was probably the quickest we got done in the studio as well definitely the easiest one to put together and since we haven't shouted him out yet i want to shout out mac gilchrist uh who's in a band with kurt called pale people he plays organ all over the album so th- that's him uh, playing some of the some of the tasty organ that you hear. But yeah, this song when we were making the album was my favorite because it wasn't hard. <laughs> Track number ten, "Growing Apart." In the intro, again, it, it's it's just a, a whiff. It's just a hint. But there's a little. I got a little country cowboy vibes from the intro. Um, just a whiff. I don't know. I don't know anything about music. Um, and it seemed very like a Montana inspired song. That's what. That's the other thing I wrote down. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it in Austin. Um, it is about someone too. Yeah. Who will probably know. Yeah. Uh, and I want them to know that I don't feel that way anymore. This was at a time <laughs> when they were like preparing to get married. So, you know, five, six years ago at this point. And, uh, it was just like my first whiff of like you, what you see in the movies, you know, like friends disappearing into their own lives, having a wife, having kids. And you're like, Oh, I don't get to hang out with my best friends as much anymore. And so, yeah, that's, that's what this song is. This is your, uh, little Dicky. Um, what's this? What's this song with Brandon Urie? I don't remember. <laughs> Where it's about his best friend. It's about his best friend and ex getting yeah. married. Yeah, it's the hardest pill to swallow. I'm looking at That's you. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. I, I, how'd you guys like that singing? Can I be? Can I be in the band? That was good, yeah. dude. You get a whole track to yourself on the next album. Uh, just acapella. Well, whatever instruments you want to learn how to play. <laughs> but yeah, between now and then. If it's just acapella, that's cool too. <laughs> Gross. I literally have the worst singing voice of all time. Track number 11. No got nothing. About. No, I got nothing. And no one to worry about. No, I got nothing. And no one to worry about. Talk to me about 
summarizing an album and then talk to me about like ending an album with a with like a short punchy statement that's how i felt got not like boop yeah well we talked about making basically flip-flopping the last two tracks and making uh, growing apart the last song and i was just like i listened to it one day and i was like dude that is a fucking bummer to end the record on like it's a bit it's a bit of a sad one yeah um there's another one I just wrote walking around. I actually was uh, supposed to go record drums for a different song and Kurt ended up taking a nap on accident. So I like drove to his house and like knocked on the door and no one was like answering. So I just went for a walk around the neighborhood. And when I came back, I was like, I, I, I have a song. <laughs> I don't know the chords yet, but um, yeah, uh, this one to me, I didn't think too hard on the lyrics. This is the one that I actually didn't think very hard, but uh, in a good way. Like I was like, don't overthink this. Just let it be this statement of like kind of something I want, you know, like someone like a partner in crime. And, and when it's, when I say that I got nothing and no one to worry about, it's not that I wouldn't worry about, you know, the person idealized in this song. If something were to happen to them, it's just that like this person is so cool you know, that you just don't have to worry about them. Um, right. And literally like, you know, when I say I want to get high in China, like that's just true. I just want to like travel with someone cool and get high. And then I have nothing to worry about. <laughs> it's a pretty uh, on the nose song that I tried to um, make it an homage to descendants with like the just tight power pop structure and a really way too busy baseline that I had to track like 600 times. Baseline sick that dude. Jacob, you know, me and or Sean will definitely travel to China with you and get high, right? We just won't touch your penis, but we'll yeah, do everything else. That's fine. It, it, this is, doesn't necessarily have to be a, like a sexual partner. It just has to be, yeah, someone that gives you nothing to worry about. <laughs> I remember when I when Jacob sent me the demo for this, I too was walking and I was listening to it. <laughs> and I listened to it, I listened to it and I was like, let's go, dude. This is fun. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's some of the best energy on the album and it is just a short, I always loved like really short songs too, even though yeah. some of mine are pretty long in this album. Like Charlotte's a pretty long song, Billy the Kid's super long, but I've always loved short music. And so I thought that was just, uh, just a killer song. And it, it was one of the songs too, that when you sent it, I was like, Jacob didn't work too hard on this one but in a good, a very good way. Just like, it seemed like it just kind of came out of you. Yeah. You know, like I said, I have a hard time writing bridges. So I was like, I'm not going to write one. Yeah. There you go. Just in the song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, Sean's Sean has this way of just writing really long songs that are like sprawling and cool. Like the original demo of our single campaign speech that he sent me is like five and a half minutes <laughs> long. And I, yeah. I like sped it up and whittled it down to like four and a half. Um, I couldn't write a song that long if I tried. I feel like I get to about two minutes and I've said everything I need to say. So, but you listen to a lot of like this, uh, descendants and and whatever else who are pumping out. You know, Pup's got a new song on their album that's like fifteen seconds long. Yeah, yeah, Bad Religion too. Like they have, you know, perfect pop songs that are a minute and twenty seconds, and they yeah. have three verses, three choruses, and then the song's over. So yeah, just trying to do that. And I don't know, this is like, it's, it's, uh, this song's, you know, not the best on the album. It's not the best song I've ever written, but it's just like, just makes me feel warm inside, which none of the other songs on this album that I wrote do. <laughs> and it's a, a great melody too. Great melody in the, uh, in the chorus. 
Oh Thanks. yeah, it, it's uh, it's very catchy. I think it, Thanks. we'll get stuck in people's heads. Great. Um, well, there you have it, folks. That's an album. That's Mrs. Ghost. Yeah, you can uh, you can stream it on whatever streaming services you have. You can buy it at mrsghost.com. We have CDs, T-shirts, stickers, and just a straight-up digital download available. That is the bestest way to get us your monies because it does cost money to make music. And uh, yeah, you know, if you like it, share it. Put us on your playlists on Spotify because as we've talked about, Sean and I are remote and not touring, but still want to create music. You know, it's, I don't think it's fair that so many bands have to tour to like stay afloat. You know, I, 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 how many songs, how many great songs does the world not have because someone couldn't afford to go tour? It's a good point. Not our, none of our songs, but no, none know, of other ours, people. But other, <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. That's a good point, Alex, dude. What your favorite song is? Say Lovey. What is your favorite Jacob song on the album? Oh, pit in my stomach. I just. Oh, thanks. I just, even though I put Jake, Jacob masturbating, I'll watch, I'll watch you masturbate all day. <laughs> thank you. Well, truly, thank you for listening and thank you for taking notes and stuff. I, I really, really appreciate it. Well, uh, thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for having us, Alex. Thank you for having yeah. me. I like to pretend that I'm like Sean Evans from Hot One, but I'm actually just like a terrible interviewer. I thought yeah. you did a great also, job, dude. You did, yeah. You you clearly put some thought into it, which I am uh, quite honestly flattered by. <laughs> oh, and I also want to shout out all the people that shared We're Not Okay, the single, without me asking. Like that, <laughs> that I woke up and like four or five people had already shared it and I didn't ask a single one of them and that felt really, really nice. So thank you. There you go. Go listen to the album, everybody. And um, maybe me and Jacob will make a podcast again in three months about some other humongous project or uh, or maybe not. Yeah, I'll ask you to come up with something and you'll be like, cardboard part two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't have a police blotter or misconnections this week. We, this episode's long enough without them. Sean, any, long it, shit. any parting thoughts? Uh, just want to thank y'all, uh, Jacob. Thank you, Alex. And, uh, thanks to all the support out there. Thanks to everyone who was, a um, a big part of this album. Uh, even if they didn't play on it, you know, this couldn't have been done without, uh, our good friend, Hannah, who took the road trip with me, um, up to Missoula, you know, Shawnee yep. Kilgore. Thanks. Thanks. Zoe to made the artwork. Zoe. I mean, the list, I don't want to forget anybody, but you know, tuna mixed the vocals, our parents, our parents were, were super helpful and supportive in this. You know, we had yeah, Sean. Tell your parents to buy an album. They haven't done it yet. I will. They don't even like use the internet anymore, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe I'll just send you a couple to take back to them. But I want you to charge them, and then I will. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I will say my mom. I, she was like, "What are you doing tonight?" And I was like, "I'm recording a podcast about Jacob's new album." And she's like, "Jacob has a new album. Can I listen to it?" And I went, "I honestly don't want to go through <laughs> how to, let how you to tell you to how it? to stream it." Like, yeah, like I would love for you to listen to it, and she would enjoy it. I just don't want to go through the pain of. I would say I would be like, "It's on Spotify," and she go, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> and yeah. I go, "All right, I quit then. I, I don't want to do it." <laughs> It'll be up on YouTube as well, so we can get. We just want people to hear it, you know. Yeah. I, I it's, we're not having the kind, the like number of streams to where it makes a difference if someone listens to it on YouTube or not. Right, right. Yeah, we're just trying to affect positive change. You know, you just put music out there; it exists in the cosmos. It's a project that I'm super proud of that we that we got done. Because I mean, 
Jacob will tell you, dude, this was this was three years common, man. I mean, this was a there were there were times where I was like, I don't I don't even know if we're gonna get it done, you know, but we persevered. This was a good uh good display of perseverance and determination. So I'm proud of it. Yeah. I'm proud of it too. And I don't know if you feel this way, Sean, but there was never really a time where I was like, we shouldn't do this. You know, like I think the songs kind of speak for themselves. Uh, certainly they're the strongest songs I've ever worked on. So I was like, uh, you know, it'd be good to have something out there that I'm more proud of than the comedy albums that I've deleted off the internet. <laughs> oh dude. Like I was, uh, I was laying in my bed just in a depressive state and I listening to the album and I was like, this is the most important art I've ever been a part of. So, Aww. I mean, it sounds a little like pretentious and, and douchey, but I do honestly think like, you know, what we did was good, even though we did it. I mean, we did it on a budget. I mean, we recorded most of everything in a few days, you know, uh, the vocals we took, that took some time and, you know, overdubbing was difficult, but. All in all, even though the album had been a long time in the process, I mean, we got it on tape. Well, I mean, we got it on, you know, we got it. We got the tracks done in a, in a short amount of time. Yes. And if you want to hear it in public, too, I will be having an album release party at Imagination Brewing in Missoula, Montana, Friday, June 17th, the day the album comes out at 6 p.m. I'm going to set up some speakers. I'm going to make the public listen to the album and then i'm just gonna do like a regular dj set after that so i'll have merch there as well uh come hang out so that i don't have to stand behind the table and act awkward i would rather be talking to my friends <laughs> while the album kind of just plays in the background there you go all right okay thanks alex thanks sean love you guys love, love you, you dude love you guys bye bye, bye.